We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 311 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Tuesday, May 10th, 2022. It is episode 311. You know, 311 is my all-time favorite band. It would have been so fitting for this episode 311 to be an episode on which we celebrate a glorious Capitals victory, but sadly, it is not a victory Tuesday in the nation's capital for the Capitals. Uh, oh, what could have been, though? Uh, the Caps on Monday night were up on the Florida Panthers at Capital One Arena. 2-1 late in the third period, but then came a game-tying goal, 17-56 into that third period, and then came a game-winning goal, 4-57 into overtime. And just like that, the Caps lost a 3-2 overtime loss to the Panthers. And so, the Caps and the Panthers, the Caps and the Cats uh, in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs now are even at two, as opposed to the Caps leading the series three games to one. How great would it have been had the Caps taken a 3-1 series lead on Monday night? Uh, you know, this was the first one-goal game in the series. If you've been a Caps fan for a while, if you've been a Caps fan for a minute, uh, you know that the Caps have played so many one-goal games in their Stanley Cup playoff history. We in this series had not had a one-goal game until Monday night, and unfortunately, the game did not go our way. Hello and welcome to a Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. I will go in-depth on the Caps. Game four loss to the Panthers coming up in a bit, but I do have happier news for you on this Tuesday installment of the pod. Doc Walker will be on the show. Yes, the DOC will be back on the Al Galdi podcast. Former Redskins tight end Rick Doc Walker, my former tag team partner on the radio. He is the host of his own podcast, the Doc Walker podcast. Uh, he is, shall we say, opinionated? Uh, so am I, I guess. That's probably what, why we used to argue so much. But Doc is great, and I'm going to have a lengthy conversation with Doc talking commander's football. And we're going to cover just about everything, all right? Carson Wentz, Sam Howell, the skill position players, the offensive line, 
Jamin Davis, uh, William Jackson III, Chase Young, Montez Sweat. You know, with Doc, I like to just let him go, okay? I like to just raise a topic and set him off and just let him sound off, okay? He's very good at that. And so Doc Walker talking commanders is coming up. Uh, Next segment, I'll discuss two commanders-related items with you. One is the commanders head coach, Ron Rivera, winning the 2022 George Hallis Award. Uh, That was particularly significant. I'll explain why. The other item is the New York Giants on Monday releasing corner James Bradbury, who, yes, late for Ron, during Ron's time as Carolina Panthers head coach. Is James Bradbury about to become the latest member of the Carolina Commanders? Uh, Is Bradbury about to become the latest commander? Uh, I actually think that the Commanders should be in on Bradbury. I'll explain why. Uh, And I'll talk Orioles, a 6-1 win for the O's over the Kansas City Royals at Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Monday afternoon. Look, there were about six people in attendance, okay? But the Orioles starting pitching, again, was good. And Austin Hayes, again, was good. Uh, You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Jeffrey on something that I talked about on this past Friday show, episode 309, uh, that the commanders have changed their hashtag from take command to HTTC, as in hail to the commanders. Uh, The team did a Twitter poll on which hashtag fans preferred. Uh, HTTC won the poll. And I discussed the commanders bringing back their marching band and announcing that a new fight song is coming. Writes Jeffrey, first with the hashtag changing from hashtag take command to hashtag HTTC. The frustrating part about this is that this is the sort of nuance thing that should have been decided before the name reveal. I acknowledge and understand the attempt to organically grow the brand as fan opinion contributes, but I still think these details need to have been cleaned up. I disagree with you, respectfully, on liking it the HTTC hashtag, and I disagree with the attempt to develop a new fight song. The hail to the phrasing, the fight song, even the beloved uniform scheme of the Redskins and WFT were packaged and put in the memory box when the team moved on to the name Commanders. Let the memories of glory years past rest in peace. I think an attempt to recreate a fight song will come up short. Heaven forbid they try and rewrite lyrics to the Hail to the Redskins melody, that will be a parody any way you look at it. How about the new band, instead of playing a parody of the fight song of old, just play music, lol. I think the reintroduction of a band is a great idea, and instead of trying to link it somehow to past tradition, I think we should take advantage of the opportunity and start to put together a unique, updated experience for fans that contributes to the team and fan culture. Every team, I am sure, has a post-touchdown tradition and different nuances to the live experience. A live band celebrating touchdowns and contributing to other key moments in a game, I think, has the potential to be a fun wrinkle to the development of the commander experience. I hope the team focuses on a branding commitment that connects to and reflects local tradition and culture especially that of the DMV, which is why I recommend that the Commander's Brass needs to consider having a go-go band. 
This would undoubtedly connect the team to the Washington, D.C. area. Now, go-go music may not be for everyone, I understand, but it is a staple in local culture. Shout out to the godfather of go-go, Chuck Brown. Play some Wind It Up, Chuck, and let's have some fun on Sundays. It is soulful, it is fun, it has energy, and everything sounds better when your team is winning. Congrats on episode 300. Now on to episode 400. Uh, Thank you, Jeffrey. I appreciate that. Uh, Look, man, you got me with the go-go, all right? I did go-go Thursdays on the radio for years. Uh, I would be 100% on board with a go-go influence to the Commander's new fight song. Uh, Look, there is no right answer to any of this stuff. All of it is subjective, okay? There are those like me who believe that the team should try to maintain connections to the past. There are those like Jeffrey who believe that the team should be starting everything anew. Uh, There is no perfect answer to any of this. There is no playbook for a rebrand, okay? Uh, This is just like there was never a perfect new name. Every answer on what to do with things like the hashtag and the fight song is flawed in some way, just like every potential new name for the team was flawed in some way. Uh, Personally, I don't think that HTTC is so bad, okay? Uh, Just like I don't think that the name Commanders is so bad. But let me make something clear. (laughs) I still think that it's quite possible that nothing should have ever changed to begin with. And I think that a big part of why so many fans feel disenfranchised and why so many fans get worked up about all of this stuff still is that there are a lot of fans slash former fans of the team, perhaps even a majority of fans slash former fans of the team, who believe that the name of the team still should be Redskins, okay? Like, I think there are a lot of people who still look at this and say that the name should have never changed to begin with. And these people aren't all racists and bigots, okay? These people aren't all people who are super insensitive. These are people who look at the facts, look at the situation and say, hmm, you know, it's very debatable whether even the supposedly offended party Native Americans wanted the name changed. Certainly there were some, okay? But it may well have been an extreme minority. We still don't know. We still don't have a true firm grasp on the true Native American opinion of the name Redskins. But it may well be that a majority of Native Americans liked the name Redskins and never wanted the name Redskins to change. And that the name change happened because of what was going on in this country off the murder of George Floyd and because of three of the Skins minority owners at the time, including Fred Smith, having had a major falling out with Dan Snyder. You know, I mean, I still come back to this. Did the name of the team change because changing the name of the team truly was the right thing to do? Or did the name of the team change because of a variety of factors having nothing to do with the name truly needing to be changed? And the answers to those questions still aren't clear. You know, I don't pretend to have all the answers, but I think that these are very valid questions to ask. And I think that that has been a big part of the problem with this whole name change and why there still has not been a widespread acceptance of the name change. You know, what you heard A little less than two years ago, right? What you heard back in July 2020, from some anyway, was that changing the name was being on the right side of history. Maybe that's true, but you know what's also possibly true is that that isn't necessarily the right side of history. I mean, I think about this. If 
changing the name was so obviously being on the right side of history. Why is it that here we are now, less than two years later, and it feels like there are just as many people as ever who believe that the name of the team should still be Redskins? So, you know, look, I know the name's not going back to Redskins, okay? Redskins has gone forever. I understand that. But that doesn't mean that we can't still talk about it. And we can't still wonder, like, okay, why exactly did the name change again? You know? Uh, Email from Rich on a potential new fight song for the Commanders, writes Rich, I was impressed with the energy that you put into the Band Is Back news segment. I have put some thought into possible new fight songs. Remember Living Color? Living Color had an almost metal hit with Cult of Personality. Slight alteration could make it the Cult of Mediocrity. If you want the song to be dedicated to the owner, I would suggest Radiohead's Creep or Beck's Loser, how about for Don Ron? James Taylor's Carolina in my mind. Seriously, he's got to stop with the Carolina references. Hail to the Redskins could easily be converted to hail to the Commanders uh, with little effort. This might make the most sense. Uh, Rich, great email, my friend. You know, those are some good songs that you reference. Cult of Personality is one of the best songs of the last, I don't know, 35 years or so. Well, for nearly 40 years, the Washington, D.C. personal injury lawyers of Paulson and Nace have represented plaintiffs in medical malpractice, drug, and other product liability claims, as well as countless other personal injury matters, all the way through trial and jury verdicts, winning and securing multi-million dollar verdicts and settlements for clients. It's simple. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that offers tenacious advocacy for personal injury and medical malpractice victims throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. If you or your family is dealing with a personal injury or medical malpractice matter, contact Paulson and Nace and tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. The phone number is 202-902-7611. You can schedule a no-obligation appointment. Yet you're obligated to nothing. But you have questions, you have concerns, lean on the expertise of Paulson and Nace. Call 202-902-7611 and make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. I've known the Naces for two plus decades. These guys know what they're doing. Chris Nace is a past president of the D.C. Trial Lawyers. Matt Nace is a member of the board of the D.C. Trial Lawyers. The attorneys at Paulson and Nace offer clients in-depth explanation of their rights regarding treatment and consent and provide comfort and options to families. Paulson and Nace works with you. The family of Paulson and Nace can help your family make difficult decisions and can provide the answers to your questions when you need answers the most. Again, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call 202-902-7611 to schedule a no-obligation appointment and tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Paulson and Nace. When tragedy happens, let the family of Paulson and Nace take care of your family. All right, before we get to our special guest, Doc Walker, to talk commanders. I want to hit on a few commanders-related items from Monday with you. Uh, First of all, congratulations to the head coach of the commanders, Ron Rivera, the Don of the commanders, Don Ron, uh, on being selected as the 2022 George Hallis Award winner by the Professional Football Writers 
of America, the PFWA. Uh, the Hallis Award is given to an NFL player, coach, or staff member who overcomes the most adversity to succeed. Reads the press release that was put out by the PFWA on Monday, quote, Rivera, a finalist for the Hallis Award for the second time in as many years, was diagnosed with squamous cell carcinoma in his neck in August 2020. Over seven weeks during the 2020 season, he received 35 proton therapy treatments and three chemotherapy cycles. Rivera lost more than 30 pounds and had to receive IV treatments at halftime of games, but never missed a game while leading his team to the playoffs in his first year as head coach. End quote. Uh, Yes, his first year as the team's head coach, not his first year as an NFL head coach. You know, it is a little confusing because Ron gets this award in this year 2022, for what he dealt with in the 2020 season. I guess the idea is that he continued the comeback in the 2021 season, but really Ron's comeback from cancer and the overcoming of cancer went down in the 2020 season. This award that he has been given, this 2022 George Hallis Award, in theory is for the 2021 season, but really Ron battled cancer, overcame cancer in the 2020 season, during which, of course, Ron led Washington to an NFC East title in his first season as Washington head coach. Now, do you know who won the 2021 George Hallis Award? Another person who made a major comeback and overcame a lot in Washington's 2020 season, Alex Smith. So Washington in that 2020 season had two massive comeback stories going on at the same time in Alex Smith's comeback story and Ron Rivera's comeback story. Washington in that 2020 season had two award-worthy comeback stories going on at the same time in Alex Smith's and Ron Rivera's. And the George Hallis Award is only one award. Uh, It can only be given to one person per year. So Washington now has garnered the award two times in two years for things that happened in that 2020 season. Pretty remarkable. I mean, that's amazing when you think about it. Uh, But what Ron Rivera dealt with in his initial year as Washington head coach really can never be overstated. I mean, you think about the list of things that Ron dealt with in his first year as Washington head coach. Cancer, the name change, the workplace misconduct scandal, the ownership turmoil, the COVID-19 pandemic, trying to change the culture of the team, uh, dealing with various individual player controversies slash messes like the Trent Williams situation and the Quinton Dunbar situation and the Darius Geis situation. It was one thing after another for Ron in 2020. So congrats to him on winning the George Hallis Award. Uh, also on Monday was the New York Giants releasing corner James Bradbury. And this is significant to us as Commanders fans, of course, because, well, the Giants are an NFC East team, yes, but also because Bradbury played for Ron Rivera during his time as Carolina Panthers head coach. Now, it's interesting. The Giants releasing Bradbury appears to be at least as much of a salary cap move as a player personnel move. Uh, The Giants released Bradbury in no small part because they needed the cap space. Uh, The Giants' former general manager, Dave Gettleman, who used to be the Panthers' GM, uh, boy, did he leave the Giants with a horrendous salary cap situation. Uh, The Giants needed the cap space just to sign their 2022 draft class and just to operate this coming season. I mean, what a mess. 
Uh, one thing about our team, it has had a good salary cap situation for years now. Uh, Washington really hasn't been in anything close to a bad salary cap situation in years. Uh, the Giants in March 2020 signed James Bradbury to a big money contract as an unrestricted free agent. Uh, there figures to be a competitive market for Bradbury. Like I said, he played for Ron during Ron's time as Panthers head coach. We know how Ron feels about former Panthers. So should the commanders be interested in James Bradbury? Uh, well, here's my answer. If he can be had on the relative cheap, heck yeah. Give me some James Bradbury. Uh, right now, to me, the biggest roster worry for the commanders is corner. Uh, there is a lack of depth at corner that is concerning. Uh, the commander's top two corners are Kendall Fuller and William Jackson III. The commander's number three corner, Benjamin St. Juice, is coming off having dealt with major concussion issues last season, uh, during which he played in just nine of Washington's 17 regular season games. So you can like Benjamin St. Juice. I like Benjamin St. Juice. I think a lot of us like the juice. You like the juice, eh? Yes, we like the juice, but you can't trust the juice to stay healthy of these concussion problems last season. And, you know, he may be a concussion away from being done playing in the NFL. I mean, it seemed quite serious, the concussion problems with which Benjamin St. Juice dealt last season. Uh, and then the commander's number four corner right now would appear to be Danny Johnson. Now, Johnson in the 2021 regular season did do a decent job as the nickel corner in the second half of the season, but Johnson also is a guy who the team thought so little of as a corner that he, in the 2020 regular season, did not play on a single defensive snap the entire season. Uh, now, James Bradbury is known to be best as a zone corner. Uh, William Jackson the third is known to be best as a man corner, so the schematic fit does need to be right. Uh, we know that Washington has gotten into trouble in the past trying to fit square pegs into round holes. Now, the team does play both zone and man. Playing so much zone last season seemed to be part of the problem with Jackson. But assuming that the schematic fit is right, uh, yeah, the commanders should be in on James Bradbury. Now, I'm not giving him some mega money contract, but if he could be had, like I said, on the relative cheap, I think this would be a signing that would make a lot of sense for the commanders. You know, James Bradbury is still relatively young. I mean, this coming season will be just his age 29 season. The Panthers took Bradbury with the next to last pick in the second round of the 2016 NFL draft out of Samford. Uh, James Bradbury essentially replaced former Redskin Josh Norman in Carolina, including wearing the number 24. Uh, Bradbury played for the Panthers for four seasons, 2016 through 2019, then played for the Giants the last two seasons, 2020 and 2021. You know, Bradbury has been very durable. Uh, Bradbury, over his six NFL seasons, has played in 92 of a possible 97 regular season games, and he, over the last five seasons, has played in 79 of a possible 81 regular season games. He's not a great corner, okay? Uh, and it's very telling that Ron Rivera in the 2020 offseason chose to sign Kendall Fuller as an unrestricted free agent and not Bradbury, who Ron obviously knows well. Bradbury, to me, is not worthy of mega money. But if he could be had, like I said, on the relative cheap, I think this is a signing that could do the commanders quite well. Uh, Bradbury as the commander's CB3 on a relatively cheap deal to me would not be a bad thing. Uh, so I think that the commanders should be in on the bidding for James Bradbury. Up next, I'm talking commanders with 
former Redskins tight end Rick Doc Walker, the host of the Doc Walker podcast. You will hear an unfiltered Doc. Uh, he has a lot to say about Carson Wentz, uh, the commander's skill position players, the commander's defense, Dan Snyder, and more. The DOC is straight ahead. Well, it is hard to remember a time in which grocery shopping was as unappealing as it is right now, right? Prices at stores are ridiculous due to inflation. Just driving to the store is costly because of the cost of gas. And you're super busy. I mean, who even has time to go food shopping, let alone to think about what to make on a daily basis? And so all of this is why you should try HelloFresh. HelloFresh is great. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your home and at an affordable price. And not only do the ingredients come pre-portioned so that you're not overbuying or wasting food, but it's easier than ever to get filling meals on your kitchen table quickly with options like family-friendly and quick and easy recipes. Stop wasting your time worrying about when you're going to buy food and what you're going to buy and what you should make and what the kids will eat and how much the food will cost and try HelloFresh. We've tried HelloFresh and we love it. Uh, We have had sweet chili pork and cabbage stir fry, Monterey Jack unfried chicken, hub style shepherd's pie, saucy pork burrito bowls, Italian chicken, Southwest beef with pasta. The meals are fun, creative, healthy, and delicious. And the ultimate endorsement is this. My four-year-old son eats HelloFresh. And trust me, he is a picky eater. Him deeming something worthy of being eaten is like, you know, the white smoke coming out of the Vatican when a new pope is elected. He eats HelloFresh. He loves it. You will too. Uh, Also, HelloFresh will work with you. You can pick your favorite meals from 50 different weekly options. You can customize meals. You can skip weeks when needed. You can change your delivery date all on the HelloFresh app. So here's what to do. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Galdi16. Use the code Galdi16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Yeah, this is a great deal. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Galdi16. Use the code Galdi16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. One more time, HelloFresh.com slash Galdi16. Use the code Galdi16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Well, this episode of the Al Galdi podcast is for Tuesday, May 10th. Believe it or not, we now are more than four months removed from the end of Washington's 2021 season and We are just about four months away from the start of the Commanders 2022 regular season. Washington's final game of the 2021 season was the 22-7 win at the New York Giants this past January 9th. The first Sunday of the NFL's 2022 regular season will be Sunday, September 11th. Uh, Oh, by the way, the NFL's 2022 regular season schedule will be announced this Thursday night. So this Friday show, episode 314, will be a special Commander's Schedule Analysis installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Uh, But yeah, we're just about at the halfway point of the Commander's offseason. Time is moving quickly. A lot has happened this commander's offseason, and some of what has happened has actually had to do with football, if you could believe that. Uh, But I'm very pleased right now to welcome back to the Al Galdi podcast, a friend, 
my former tag team partner on the radio. He is a former Redskins tight end. He is a Super Bowl 17 champion. He is a two-time NFC champion. He is a Rose Bowl champion for the 1975 season. He is the DOC, Rick Doc Walker, who is the host of his own podcast, the Doc Walker Podcast. You can follow Doc on Twitter, at Rick Doc Walker. And Doc is here to do what he does so well, and that is talk X's and O's. Burgundy and gold. DOC, my friend, it is great to talk to you. How are you? Hey, man, I'm not as good as Omar. Not yet, but but I'm working on it. It's uh, good to hear your voice, my friend, and it's uh, getting close to that time of the year. They got through a draft without us. I didn't think it was possible, but they did. And uh, we're going to see if they can get through a training camp uh, without us and possibly a season. I don't think that's going to happen, but we shall see. Well, I know you love the offseason so much, all the speculation. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> all the reports, everything else. But I do want to get your takes on our football team. Uh, generally speaking, how is the DOC feeling about the state of Commander's football operations? Do you like where the team is at or not so much? No, I feel good because it could always be worse. Right now, it's all on paper, and I don't play the paper game. I don't do the fantasy game. I don't do what woulda, shoulda, coulda. So for me, I can't get any satisfaction until the regular season starts. Then they're on the clock with me. I don't pay attention to anything else for the most part. I'm numb to it because I'm just burned out. And I've heard so much. And really talk is cheap. I like the roster. I'm not one of those guys that thinks that they're terrible. I I think they're underperformed in some areas. But I also believe that I've seen worse here over the past 22 years. So I'm encouraged by where we are right now with what we have. Of course, the biggest move by our commanders this offseason was the trade for Carson Wentz. Uh, Rod Rivera made it no secret, basically told anyone who would listen uh, that the team was all in on trying to get a franchise quarterback. Carson ended up being the guy. Do you see Carson Wentz being a franchise quarterback for the commanders? Well, he's our guy. So I'm pulling for Carson Wentz because without him, we, we would be terrible again. And I, I didn't like the deal. I, I think we got, we got played, but I, we also, I think, telegraphed our punch. We went out and told everybody what we were going to do. And to me, Hey, look, maybe it'll work out. They can end up in the Super Bowl and I'll have egg on my face, but it's not the way I would have done it. And uh, so now you're stuck with a $28 million guy who's got to play. So I support everything they do around him because if not, we're in next to last place again. That's the reality of it. If he's healthy, and I mean mentally, physically, he's fine. He's better than anything we've had in years. Mentally is my question. From the neck up, is he equipped to lead his football team? Yeah, so the neck up stuff is the concern with Carson Wentz, right? All of this stuff out there about him lacking leadership and not always getting along with teammates and not being coachable and being stubborn. Does Carson with the commanders just come down to him playing well, or do you think that all of this other stuff does matter a lot? Well, if he does, if he fails, do you know where we are now? This is Russian roulette. There's a bullet in the chamber, and we all know it. We're just hoping that it doesn't fire. Other than that, the kid's got a bigger arm than anybody we've had since we could remember. 
He checks every box over what was your alternative. Yeah, would I, did we overpay? Of course we did. We got fleeced. But if it works out, he'll be a hero. Ron will have, we'll be throwing rose petals after him. And then if it doesn't, then they're all out. And we deal with a whole new group. And we'll be doing this over again like we've done over the years. They do. This is what we do. They provide the background for it, and we telestrate it, and we articulate it. That ain't on us. So them. I know that you are a fan of competition at the quarterback position and are a fan of a team having multiple legitimate quarterback options. Uh, I am as well. I really like that the commanders took Sam Howell in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL draft. Am I correct in assuming that you really like that as well? Well, you know me like a book. Why wouldn't you? I mean, you, you, look, we need three of them. I don't want to stop with just him. Uh, he ran a gadget system. So it's kind of like the unknown. I don't judge him off what he did because what he did, we don't do. So that, that's irrelevant. What I like about him, He's got a Theisman-like quality. He's a gamer. He's a competitive dude that if you line him up right, you can win with him. If you don't, he's not going to give it to you. That's not who he is. But so line him up right. And then he's better than anything else you have. And that's all you need to know. And hopefully, he didn't have to play week one. But it could have been like last year or two years ago. We never know when the injury bug comes. So if Carson goes down, in pregame warm-up, guess what? At least you got a guy that may not, he may not soil his underwear. I don't think the moment will be too big for him. Yeah, Sam Howell did a lot of good stuff at North Carolina. And as a fifth-round pick, I mean, Howell a year ago was viewed as the potential number one overall pick in the 2022 draft, that the commanders got him in the fifth round of the 2022 draft. That's excellent value. Carolina, they're not in this for us. They're in it for themselves. So their offense fits what they're doing. I ain't mad at him. But if I think he's the opening day starter, that means something went wrong. But down the road, yeah, I like him. He's got that. When I give a guy Theisman-like quality, that's no joke. That means people around him really enjoyed having him. They they were on a roll. And, and the moment never got too big for him. And then without all this act, he struggled. Just like anybody else would do this, not 6'5 and throw the ball like Joe Namath. The cast around the commander's quarterback, it does very much feel to me like there are quality weapons on this offense. Now, these guys need to stay healthy, okay? That's true. But I look at Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dodson and Logan Thomas and John Bates and Cole Turner and Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick and Brian Robinson Jr. And I see legitimate, viable weapons with which Carson Wentz can have success. Do you? Yeah, on paper I do, but they don't play. Only Terry McClure is the only guy played. So the rest of that crew, I'm not interested in them. They show me nothing. They're next to last place. So I'm like, I couldn't, I had to stop bitching about whatever happens because we don't win with the people that we have. We win nothing. So I have no strings with anybody but Terry McLaurin. And we'll probably lose him too because we usually lose everybody that's really good. <laughs> so all I'm saying is that that's why you had to go out and get a guy. I like to get Penn State. I saw him every Saturday, which means he's in the highlights. So he's a baller. I ain't mad at him. 
It's just hopefully because he'll end up being your number one guy. Because any future Hall of Famer we get our hands on, we give him away. Oh, well, speaking of that, the offensive line. You know, I almost sent you a condolences card when the Commanders released your guy, Eric Flowers. You are the biggest Eric Flowers fan I know. And look, he was good for Washington last season. Are you doing all right with Flowers being gone again? You know, the Commanders do have a great offensive line coach in John Matsko. He's getting in Callahan realm. He's getting close. That's how much I like it. Okay. Oh, yeah, man. I do because his unit, again, they don't, don't, they don't need names on the back. It doesn't matter. And the one thing that Ron has stuck with me on is position flex. And so all five guys have that. I call it the Rollo McKenzie syndrome. They can play any position and play it well. You can win a game with them. So I ain't mad at him at all. And I love Chris Paul. Chris Paul is my kind of guy. Not the State Farm guy. Okay, he's falling apart, by the way. On the road in the NBA. I thought only rookies didn't play well when they're not at home. No, every postseason he does this, yeah. Well, I understand it, but as she would say, as I digress, that uh, it is Chris Paul. I like it. See, when you get 6'4, it's tall enough for me. The guy's like Trent knows phenomenon. You can't get a guy with 6'6 who can bend his knees and have leverage. That means he's special. The guy's 6'4, 335, brother, he's right in your rib cage. He's a water buffalo. And like Schweitzer, I like West. See, I'm a West guy. I'm a big fan of this offensive line. The baby Longhorn proved to me he can play. I think he's eventually going to be a guard. A guard. Uh, the kid out of LSU, tough. has shown that, once again, he can play. I think he's a guard. And so the two cast-offs from Chi-Town are big-time players. They're long. They're physical. We got a shot. I'm worried about the third guy. And they'll fix that in the draft. They'll fix it. Plus, June 1, it's going to be like Christmas around here. Because then you get a chance to get some guys that other people decided, I don't think so, that maybe we can embrace. We're talking commanders with the DOC, my friend, my pal, former Redskins tight end, Rick Doc Walker, the host of the Doc Walker podcast. The defense, uh, overall, very disappointing last season. Do you see the commander's defense being good this coming season, or should we brace ourselves for yet another disappointing season for the defense? Oh, I wouldn't think that bad upon them because the guy, they got better when they lost a couple of their stars in their locker room, not outside of the locker room because nobody's afraid of any of them. And so John Allen had a season that we've been waiting on, and I'm waiting on that to happen now with his road dog from Alabama. We had all the ones, but we got no results from it. I like it better once the junkyard dogs got in the game and started winning. Things started picking up. Uh, there's clearly a disconnect with their unit and their leadership and their coach. Something's up. They got to figure it out. Not my job. But I do like the fact that we got the kid out of Alabama because you needed quality depth at D-line because you gave away Ionitis and Settle. No problem. We didn't win with him. So this kid, I like him a lot. Because he's versatile, he's strong, long, rare. See, I ain't in the guy. Length is tough. You got to really be good because you don't have leverage. He's got great hands, good leverage, so he can play in the pit. They tell him, what about a pass rusher? You don't have one yet in there without it. So who cares? 
That'll happen. That's why you got your ends. And I hope Mayo, that's the guy I'm pulling for, the veteran. Okay. I'm hoping that he's the answer to your prayer because the other guys are matadors. Now, they're fast. I love them running downhill. I'll take both of them. But none, neither one of them can play in the middle because they run around blocks. I need a guy to bust down a door. And that's what hopefully Mayo could do. And maybe we'll get lucky, like I said, after we, after June 1. Jamin Davis, uh, him as the Mike linebacker, did not work out so well last season. Now it sounds like he will be utilized as more of an outside linebacker in a 4-3 alignment. Where is Doc Walker on Jamin Davis? Oh, yeah, I love him. Hey, not hit. Look, they're Dr. Shivago. That was their idea. They were going to take him from right-hander and make him a left-hander. He had nothing to do with that. If they let him do it, he can, the guy can run. Just like 55. Both of them, look. Those two toddlers, they're cool, man. I like them. Let them go catch things. They're not pluggers. That's what you love about London Fletcher. See how he's built? That's what I'm looking for. I don't want a guy 6'5". I want London Fletcher. I want a guy built like a fire plug that knocks down doors like a fireman. These guys, no. Put them on the edge and let them run. Yes, we do need more firemen on this commander's defense. Uh, William Jackson III, a big money free agent acquisition last offseason. Bad in the first half of last season, better in the second half of last season. There clearly was an adjustment that uh, old William had to make to what he was being asked to do in this defense. Will he be consistently good this coming season? We've seen this before. Will we get guys that fit in one system and bring them here and change them? So they had to have to adapt. Again, that's on them. But he can play. Now, can they figure out what's the best way to sync it up? Now, let's face it also. All corners are better with pressure. We are not. We weren't the kings of pressure. And we don't seem to like the blitz. So put it on the menu. They're stubborn. We're real stubborn defensively. So if we decide to play to our personnel strength, I think we could be really good. We got a shot at it. But that Buffalo Nickel kid who we discarded, now seriously, he needs a shrink. He'll be back because nobody else will want him. And so for someone like that, and maybe it is within our draft, I like the kid out of Louisiana, be Mitch's alma mater, because he's a hit machine. And so um, you, know, you got to ask yourself this all the time. Look at your personnel. We got some kids we've lost from off the field things. You got to replace them. He's a striker. We should be really good on teams because a lot of guys we got this year also on teams. They're football players. And that's what we need, not show ponies. So I'm hoping that we get lucky because you need a little luck in all this. You know, like somebody that you pay a lot of money to has actually got to be good. And that's what you got to hope. Yeah, you mentioned the Buffalo Nickel Kid, a.k.a. Landon Collins. I'm glad that you didn't call Landon a linebacker. He's very sensitive about that, you know. Uh, but the Buffalo Nickel Kid, he recently had a post on his Instagram basically lobbying to be re-signed by the commanders. Funny how perspectives can change. Galdi, you and I both know it's a waiting game, and it's a bluff game. It's a game of chicken. And so he didn't want to be called a linebacker. Okay. I guarantee you when your bank account starts to evaporate, you don't give a damn what they call you. Just call me. See, and, and this is a game that not only him, I'm, I, I like him. I, I like, I don't dislike any of them. 
I just don't like the way, I don't like their results. They don't win enough for me. I don't want anybody looking or acting like a multimillionaire that is in last place or next to last place. I just don't like their results. Nice guys, but I'm not used to this. And I'm never going to get used to this or their way. It sounds great, okay? But, I mean, you're an analyst, and you know the numbers don't lie, okay? Win-loss, time of possession, third down percent, the analytics never favor us, okay? So <clears throat> you tell me. People talk about it. I, look, our fan base, <laughs> we're, we're, what's left of them? They're disgruntled. They're hurt. But you know they'll bounce back. If we could somehow win three games in September, it's like a match being lit. Yeah, it's funny with Ron Rivera. He, as an NFL head coach, has done really well in regular season games November, December, early January. He, for whatever reason, has not done as well in regular season games in September and October. See, you don't 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 evaluate. Just let it go. <laughs> that's for a person who does the hiring and firing. That's not yeah. that's not your job. Seriously. Yeah. But let me tell you what. Whatever he does, it works out well for him. Okay. I ain't mad. how can you be mad at him? First of all, <clears throat> I gave him a pass two years ago because the job he did fighting cancer is still one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Okay, but it's almost as if it's his boss that should not have allowed him to put his body through that. If he was up in the booth, sitting there, maybe he gets better quicker. I just thought that was recklessly him. And But I admire his results and gumption. You remember the videos you and I used to go over about him in the locker room in Carolina? That's the guy I knew. I mean, that dude now, you, now, he gave you a small sample size, but he got enough energy to do it. He was a heathen in the lock in Carolina. Okay, so that's on them. Never blame the guy. I would have done the same thing he did. You go all out, you just don't know how to quit. He's a warrior, but poorly managed. Yeah. Then you look at last year, the COVID deal, poorly handled. They didn't even give a damn enough about him with his immune system shot, that they would jeopardize him to that. This, that's not his fault. I'm going to say thing. You know what I mean? If you're allowed to go free for all and you have no guidance, you do you do the best you can, right? Rudderless ship. And so you just deal with the outcome the best you can. Yeah, well, the uh, owner of the ship has had a lot going on uh, these last few months. Uh, you mentioned pressure, as in pass rush. Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Each guy had a disappointing 2021 season. Chase more than Montez. Chase, of course, also suffered a torn right ACL last season. What was the deal with those two guys not playing the defensive scheme as it was intended to be played and not having the seasons that those guys were supposed to have? How do you look back at what went down with Chase and Montez last season? As a father as you are, and you know, Princess may, you may tell her, no, please don't do that. She's going to try you, okay? And she'll give you that smile. Now, if you melt, she's going to do it again. And again, if you give her that look she never wants to see again, she won't do it. I don't blame 
the kids for doing whatever they do. They're supposed to be led. And obviously they weren't. Because when a man has to get into a press conference and throw out signals, come on, man, what is not junior high? They're not doing us a favor. You're paying these people to do their job. Can you imagine if our military, you know, we're not getting something covered the way they want it? Come on. It, it, it's embarrassing, okay? So when that happens in real time, the guy in the in their meeting room, they're not connected with him at all. So that's clear as day. But, you know, so I said at the beginning of the offseason, I expect changes. There were no changes. So we just have to hope. Why would it change? The room is the same. Same guys in front of them that was last year. What's going to make a change? Well, one thing about it, one won't be there. Probably be waiting on him. The other guy be playing well. If they got a good enough record, he'll become a situational guy. Just come in. You can't be a one-trick pony in this league. Nobody cares about what you did in college. You have to have more than one move. Okay, you got to develop. I ain't saying, don't get mad at me. Just ask the guys that did it for a living. That's what I did. The Tony McGee's, the Ken Harvey's, the Dexter's, the Charles Manns of the world. I talked to them. That's what they say to me. It's got no moves. Don't set anybody up. It's not in college. Okay? But why don't they coach him up? Apparently, there's a disconnect. So you be the boss. You, so you know it. Why are you asking me things you already know? <laughs> you know the deal, okay? He's on automatic coaching himself, okay? Well, they allow that to happen, and good for him. I ain't mad at him. The great Rick Doc Walker, former Redskins tight end, the host of the Doc Walker podcast. DOC, thank you so much for the time. And please, if you don't mind, tell Dan and Tanya that I say hello. You know what? No word. I guess the communication, something happened on the yacht. There's, a, there's something, that telecommunication thing, I don't know. But if, if in fact, I get invited to the next game, I will do that. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Later, brother. All right. Great to catch up with Doc Walker. Up next, the Capitals. Uh, what happened on Monday night with them was not so great. Uh, I'll give you my thoughts on their 3-2 overtime loss to the Florida Panthers at Capital One Arena in Game 4 to even that first-round series in the Stanley Cup playoffs at 2. The puck possession numbers from this game were maddening. I'll get into them and much more after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Crazy day in the NHL on Monday. Barry Trotz got fired. Did you see that? Former Capitals head coach Barry Trotz, uh, the man who led the Caps to their 2018 Stanley Cup title, uh, he on Monday was fired as head coach of the New York Islanders. Uh, Trotz was the Islanders head coach for four seasons. Overall, did a good job. I mean, he made the Stanley Cup playoffs in each of the first three seasons. Uh, He won in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Trotz, as Islanders head coach, went 28-21 and in the Stanley Cup playoffs, but he did miss the postseason this season, and he now is gone. Uh, Seemed kind of harsh. Well, also harsh was what happened to our Caps on Monday night, a 3-2 overtime loss to the Florida Panthers at Capital One Arena in Game 4. And so the Caps and the Panthers now even at 2 in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, This was a really frustrating game to watch if you're a Caps fan like me. The Caps got, shall we say, demolished in the puck possession battle. The Caps got smashed in the puck possession battle. You know, I talk about puck possession a lot when I talk Caps because Puck possession matters. Uh, It's awfully hard to score a goal in hockey without possessing the puck. Uh, Well, the Panthers during the 2021-2022 NHL regular season were the best team in the NHL in puck possession. Uh, The Panthers finished the 2021-2022 regular season at number one in the NHL in five-on-five shot attempt percentage at 56.5. What that means is that in five-on-five situations in Panthers games during the regular season, the Panthers were responsible for 56.5% of the shot attempts that took place. Now, keep in mind, a shot attempt isn't necessarily a shot on goal. Uh, A shot attempt also can be a blocked shot or a shot that misses the net. But bottom line, the Panthers during the 2021 2022 NHL regular season were the best team in the NHL in puck possession. Uh, Well, the Caps on Monday night got walloped by the Panthers in the puck possession battle. The Caps in game four per natural stat trick had just 27 five-on-five shot attempts to the Panthers' 49, including in the second period, and cover your ears for this, having just two five-on-five shot attempts to the Panthers' 14. In terms of actual shots on goal, the Caps for the game totaled just 16 shots on goal to the Panthers' 32. Yeah, the Caps for the game got doubled up by the Panthers in shots on goal, including in the second period. And again, cover your ears for this. Earmuffs, uh, the Caps having just four shots on goal to the Panthers' 12. I mean, those numbers are horrible from a Caps perspective. Here's all that you need to know. Game four went to overtime, right? The Panthers' goaltender, Sergei Bobrovsky, who I like to call Bobo, okay? Bobo, in an overtime win in the Stanley Cup playoffs, needed to make just 14 saves. That's it. I mean, you think about overtime wins in the Stanley Cup playoffs, right? You think about goaltenders needing to make 30-plus saves, 40-plus saves, sometimes 50-plus saves. Sergei Bobrovsky on Monday night, Bobo on Monday night, all that he needed to do to win this game, an overtime game, was make 14 saves. 
was stop 14 of the 16 shots on goal that he faced. Uh, here was Caps head coach Peter Laviolette during his postgame press conference late night on Monday night on what went down for the Caps in game four from a puck possession standpoint. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the I don't think the second period was third period was our best period. You know, we came out and played hard, and first period, the first half of the game was kind of mucked up by power plays and penalty kills, and there wasn't a lot of five on five time. Not many score, not many, not many five on five chances. Um, we gave up a little bit too much on four on four, but um, you know we pushed in the third period and got it to where we wanted. Did you feel like you needed to generate more offensively, kind of throughout the night? Um, again, they fired a lot of shots. Um, the sec- that's what I was saying. The second period probably wasn't our best period. Um, the first was like a, it wasn't a good reflection of five on five. So it's power play, penalty kill, power play, power play, penalty kill, penalty kill, penalty kill, and it's just the period's broken up. I thought in the third period we got our we got moving in the right direction and pressed and, and got to where we wanted, but there's not a lot of room out there five on five. Yeah, the game was choppy. Uh, the Caps got called for six minor penalties. The Panthers got called for seven minor penalties. But that, by the way, makes the Caps getting doubled up by the Panthers in shots on goal look even worse. I mean, the Caps were on the power play quite a bit on Monday night. Uh, also, the Caps in Game 4 were sloppy. Uh, the Caps had 18 giveaways to the Panthers' six. And so I do not blame Ilya Samsonov for the Caps' loss in Game 4. I had my doubts about Samsonov in Game 4 because what Samsonov normally does is play really well in one game and then play poorly in the next game. He played really well in the Caps 6-1 win over the Panthers at Capital One Arena this past Saturday afternoon in Game 3. He actually was decent, if not good, in this Caps Game 4 loss. He was a Caps starting goaltender for a second consecutive game in this series. He stopped 29 of the 32 shots on goal that he faced. Uh, Samsonov, per natural stat trick, stopped just nine of the 12 high danger shots on goal that he faced. But you could also flip that around and say, well, the three goals that he gave up all came on high danger shots on goal. He really did not give up any softies on Monday night. Uh, Samsonov, per natural stat trick, stopped all four of the medium danger shots on goal that he faced and stopped all 15 of the low danger shots on goal that he faced. Uh, So he gave up an even-strength goal to Sam Reinhardt, 17-56, into the third period to tie the game at two. Uh, The goal came with the Panthers having pulled their goaltender, Sergei Bobrovsky, and while having an extra skater on the ice, Reinhardt scored on a snapshot from the slot while Samsonov had three players in front of him. So I can't kill Samsonov for giving up that goal. You hated to see that goal give it up, but the goal came, A, with the Panthers having an extra skater on the ice, and B, with Samsonov having three players in front of him. Uh, and then the game winner. Uh, so Samsonov gave up the game-winning even-trend goal to Carter Verhage, 457 into overtime. Uh, what happened here, Samsonov made a right pad save on a shot by Verhage, but Verhage got his own rebound and then scored on a slap shot from the left circle while there was a ton of traffic around Samsonov. Uh, The goal happened while Lars Eller drove Jonathan Huberdeau into the net and right behind Samsonov. Uh, The goal actually got reviewed uh, but was upheld. So, you know, you think about this sequence. 
I mean, I guess you could say, well, Samsonov's rebound control was not good because what you're supposed to do as a goaltender is not have rebounds shoot right back out in front of you. You want your rebounds to go off to the side. Uh, But again, I mean, you know, if you watch this, Eller is driving Huberdeau right into the net and right behind Samsonov. Again, there's all kinds of chaos happening around Samsonov. And yeah, Verhage got his own rebound and then scored on the shot from the left circle. So I really can't kill Ilya Samsonov for his performance on Monday night. Uh, You know, the Caps penalty kill was once again perfect. Uh, The Caps went four for four on the penalty kill. That's a credit to Ilya Samsonov. The Caps in this series now, 13 for 13 on the penalty kill. And the Caps on Monday night did score another power play goal. Uh, The Caps went one for five on the power play. They're now five for 17 on the power play in the series. So the Caps continued to do quite well on special teams in this series. Now, I do want to make this clear that the Caps went one of five on the power play on Monday night, that the Caps got another power play goal on Monday night. Doesn't mean that the Caps power play on Monday night was great. Uh, The Caps power play on Monday night was not great, Uh, but the Caps on Monday night did score yet another power play goal. TJ Oshie scored a power play goal, 7-15, into the first period as he in the slot with a leg deflected a shot from defenseman John Carlson from well above the right circle past Panthers goaltender Sergei Bobrovsky. So that was one of those puck luck goals, but hey, it was a goal. Uh, Oshie also had a secondary assist and six hits, including a nasty hit, a wicked hit on Sam Bennett that started the breakaway that led to Evgeny Kuznetsov's third period even strength goal. Speaking of that, uh, what a goal by Kuzi. Kuznetsov, an even strength goal, 9-31 into the third period as he scored on a wrister on a one-on-none breakaway on which he displayed great patience and didn't unleash the shot until he was skating toward the left corner and had Panthers goaltender Sergei Bobrovsky falling on his stomach. I mean, the patience on display by Kuznetsov on that breakaway goal was tremendous. Uh, Kuznetsov also had a team-high tying six-shot attempts. He did commit a second-period slashing penalty. Uh, Alex Ovechkin on Monday night had a primary assist, a team-high tying six-shot attempts, and four hits. Uh, Yeah, this game uh, was physical. Once again, we've had a lot of hits in this series, a very physical series, as you you would expect in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But you think about all of the hits, all of the physicality in this series, and would it be nice if the Caps had their most physical player, Tom Wilson. Uh, Wilson on Monday night did not play for a third consecutive game due to a lower body injury that he suffered in the Caps' 4-2 win at the Panthers in Game 1 last Tuesday night. Here was Peter Laviolette during his post-game press conference late night on Monday night on where things stand with Tom Wilson. It's right right now. It still remains day-to-day with him. Um, you know, I understand that's not the answer that you guys want, but that's actually where it's at. And so... Um, with regard to the second part of the question, there's no question you miss a guy like Tom in a series like this that's physical, it's full of hits. Um, he's a big body, plays a lot of minutes, plays a lot of different positions, but injuries are part of it. And um, you know, our, our team is, is moving forward right now in these games without him. And um, I think we've done a pretty good job. 
Yeah, I mean, the sooner that the Caps get Tom Wilson back, the better. But uh, it has never felt great with Tom Wilson and this injury. It has felt like this injury could keep him out for a while. We'll see. I mean, if Peter Laviolette says that Tom Wilson is day-to-day and that that is, in fact, the case, then maybe that is, in fact, the case. And maybe Tom Wilson will be back for the next game. Uh, Caps and Panthers now tied at two. The series will go at least six games. Uh, Game five at Florida, Wednesday night at 7.30. Well, we on Monday afternoon, starting at 12.05, had a game between the Orioles and the Kansas City Royals at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Not exactly the sexiest matchup in Major League Baseball history, and especially when you consider that school still is going on, right? Uh, you probably weren't anticipating an attendance figure that was deep into the tens of thousands. And sure enough, the official attendance was 9,000. 438. But those out of the 9,438 who were O's fans and who were actually at the game uh, saw the O's cap a series victory, uh, a 6-1 win over the Royals to take two or three in the series as the O's, Joe Angel, again, were in the win column. And the Orioles again in the win column. Yes, Joe, the win column. The O's were in the win column quite a bit on this now concluded 10-game homestand. The O's went 6-4 and four on the homestand. Uh, the O's this season now are 12-17. and 17. What a series that Austin Hayes ended up having. Uh, Hayes on Monday afternoon was the Orioles' starting left fielder and number three batter. He had two more hits, a double and a single. Hayes in the series, 7-for-10 with two doubles, five singles, and two walks. Hayes this season now has a batting average of 327, has an on-base percentage of 403, and has a slugging percentage of 500. He so far this season has been a 300, 400, 500 batter. Uh, he has been outstanding. Uh, also, Trey Mancini on Monday afternoon as the Orioles starting first baseman and number two batter had an RBI single and two other singles. Uh, Mancini in the series, a six for 13 with six singles. But the story of the series for the O's was their starting pitching. This ended up being another series in which the Orioles starting pitching was really good. And this has been the surprise of the Orioles 2022 season so far, just how good their starting pitching has been. Uh, Jordan Lyles in the Orioles 6-4 loss to the Royals on Sunday afternoon in game one of a doubleheader split allowed four runs, two earned in seven and a third innings. Bruce Zimmerman in the Orioles 4-2 win over the Royals on Sunday in game two of the doubleheader split allowed two runs in six innings. He had five strikeouts versus no walks. And then Tyler Wells on Monday afternoon was good. Uh, Wells in this 6-1 win over the Royals allowed one run in six innings. Uh, He gave up five hits, a double, and four singles. He had three strikeouts versus no walks. He threw 54 strikes versus just 21 balls over 75 pitches. Uh, O's manager Brandon Hyde during his postgame press conference on Monday afternoon on Tyler Wells. Put a uh, 75-pitch mark on him going into today, and and he hit it right on the Run of the nose. So, you know, really efficient innings two through six. Just really had traffic a little bit in the first, the runner in scoring position in the in the sixth, and that was pretty much it. Um, was in c- command in very few stressful innings in between. And uh, loved to see the way he threw the ball. I mean, he was 
using all his pitches well. That's an aggressive hitting team. He was working ahead. Uh, they got a bunch of early contact. So we put a mark on, you know, we put the number at 675 today, and, and he hit it. Yeah, so Tyler Wells is making the transition from relief pitcher to starting pitcher. He now has made six starts in the 2022 season, and he, over those six starts, has an ERA of 375. I mean, not bad, and he has been particularly good now in each of his last three starts. Uh, Wells, in a 5-2 loss at the New York Yankees on April 27th, allowed two runs in five innings. He had four strikeouts versus no walks. Uh, he gave up a two-out, two-run homer to John Carlos Stanton in the bottom of the first, but then tossed a scoreless second, third, fourth, and fifth innings. He retired 13 of the final 14 batters he faced. Uh, then Wells, in a 2-1 loss to the Minnesota Twins at Oriole Park at Camden Yards on May 2nd, allowed one run in five innings. He had four strikeouts versus no walks. And now we get what we got from Wells on Monday afternoon. One run in six innings, three strikeouts versus no walks. He's doing a good job. This season is Tyler Wells' age 27 season. The O's got Wells from the Minnesota Twins in December 2020 in the 2020 Rule 5 draft. He was a reliever for the O's Last season, uh, Wells in the 2021 season, 57 innings as a reliever, 4.11 ERA, but also a strikeouts per nine innings of 10.3. More from Brandon Hyde during his postgame press conference on Monday afternoon. This on Tyler Wells making this transition from reliever to starter. Tyler gets the credit, but everybody's done a great job of, of um, you know, building him up to this point. Uh, pitching guys have been fantastic. Strength, conditioning, etc. Um, it's not easy doing what he's doing. Um, Transitioning—that's what people need to understand. It's not easy transitioning from a bullpen to a starter, not pitching for two years prior to that, and to be able to post every five, six days the way Tyler's doing right now. Um, that's why we're monitoring it so closely because we care so much about the kid. Uh, we believe in him and going forward, and and um, you know to see him go six innings and you know give up one run in the first, and that's it. You know, it's pretty cool. Yes, it is cool. You know, the Orioles now in the 2022 season have a starting pitching ERA of 381. I mean, nobody expected the Orioles starting pitching to be as good as it has been so far. And remember, the O's are doing what they are doing from a starting pitching standpoint without their best starting pitcher. John Means done for the season due to Tommy John surgery that he underwent on April 27th. Uh, Next up for the O's is a six-game road trip. Three games at the St. Louis Cardinals, followed by three games at the Detroit Tigers. Game one at the Cardinals Tuesday night at 745. Kyle Bradish will be the Orioles' starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday show, episode 312, will feature more on the Commanders. I'll talk Nationals and Orioles as well. The Nats on Tuesday night at 7.05. We'll begin a three-game series against the New York Mets at Nationals Park. The O's on Tuesday night at 7.45. We'll begin a three-game series at the St. Louis Cardinals. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. You and I both know it's a waiting game. And it's a bluff game. It's a game of chicken. And so he didn't want to be called a linebacker. Okay. I guarantee you when your bank account starts to evaporate, you don't give a damn what they call you. Just call me. <laughs>